Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week's podcast is an episode of the Clyde Beatty show called The Fabulous General Ike. It first aired sometime in the 1940s. The Clyde Beatty Show. greatest wild animal trainer, Clyde Beatty, with another exciting story from his brilliant career. This master of the big cats captures ferocious jungle beasts and trains them to perform under the big top in the circus, where there are always thrills, action, and danger. Hundreds of dramatic behind-the-scenes adventures are all part of the Clyde Beatty story. Here is the story of the fabulous General Ike. Several years ago, the circus was playing a small town in Virginia called Collinsville. My wife Harriet and I were taking a stroll before the matinee, and we were passing the storage shed of a small brewery outside of town. Suddenly, Harriet snatched at my sleeve and halted dead in her tracks. Clyde, look. What is it? What's the matter? In that shed on that stack of barrels. I don't see anything. Hey, it's a kid. He's balanced on the top. He's going to fall. Well, that crazy kid. Boy, come down from there. He's not all right. If those barrels start to roll, he'll kill him. Leave it to a boy to find a dangerous place to play. Listen, son, stay perfectly still. Don't move. Oh, I won't fall. Those barrels could roll any minute. You'd better come down. Okay, but... Watch it. Easy there. Clyde, jump. Look, more of the barrels are rolling. That boy, he'll be killed. He's fallen in among them. I'll try to get to him. No, Clyde, don't go in there. That barrel's heading right for the boy. I can't reach him in time. The last one that fell, it it rolled right over him. And now, back to Clyde Beatty's adventure entitled The Fabulous General Ike. After the heavy barrel rolled over the youngster, we got him to the hospital as soon as possible. We waited for hours in the hospital corridor. Finally, the doctor came out of the operating room. Oh, doctor, that youngster, will he be all right? Ah, it's too soon to tell. We may be able to save him, but, well, I'm not sure we can save his legs. You're the folks who brought the boy here, aren't you? Yes, I'm Harriet Beatty. This is my husband, Clyde. How do you do, sir? Hello. I was fortunate you were near. The boy hadn't been brought right in, there'd be no chance for him at all. Tell me, Doctor, uh, who is the boy? Name's Johnny Hart. Father's a groom on one of the horse breeding farms nearby. He has no mother or any other family. Oh, I don't suppose they have much money. No. Whenever Johnny's father gets any cash, he goes on a drinking spree. Poor little kid. Yes, he's had a rough time, being the son of the village drunkard. Look, Doctor, we'd like that boy to have all the care he needs. We'll pay the bills. That's very generous. You may be sure we'll do everything possible for the boy. Thank you, sir. Harriet was reluctant to leave the youngster, so pitiful looking, lying in the big hospital bed. But the show had to move on. We communicated with Dr. Ireland, who finally reported Johnny out of danger, although seriously crippled. 
Then I became occupied with the thousand and one activities of running a circus and had almost forgotten about the boy. About 18 months later, the circus train was once again rolling over the Virginia countryside. Honey, what are you looking so pensive about? Hmm? What did you say, dear? Fine, I've been talking to myself. Sorry. I was just thinking how long I've been looking forward to our stand at Collinsville. It's a nice little town. Why, Clyde Beatty, don't tell me you've forgotten. Wait a minute. Collinsville, sure. Well, that's where Johnny Hart lives. I sure hope the little fellow is all right by now. You've been worrying about him all these months, haven't you? Oh, yes, Clyde. There's something about that boy. Well, I don't know quite how to put it. (laughs) You're a sentimentalist, Harriet. Is that bad? No. No, in this unfeeling world, that's not bad. Father, it's a hard place, Clyde. Well, should be just around the next turn. Oh, I hope you're right. My feet are killing me. Coming out here was your idea. No, I don't mind the walk. I just want to see Johnny. That must be the place. Oh, Clyde, it's just a shack. It is kind of run down. What a horrible place to raise a child. From what I hear about old man Hart, you can't expect him to live in a white-pillared manor house. Look, there's Johnny sitting on the porch. Let's hurry. I wish we could have gotten back to see him sooner. That's the unhappiest-looking kid I've ever seen. He must have seen us coming. Yeah. He doesn't show much interest. <clears throat> Hi there, Johnny. How are you doing? Mrs. Beatty and I came out to see how you're getting along. I'm fine. Fine. I... I brought you a present, Johnny. Here. Thank, Thank you, ma'am. You do remember us, don't you? Sure, I remember you. We've come to ask you to be our special guest at the circus this afternoon. The circus? Really? Yes. We'll have lunch in the, in the tent with all the performers. And you'll have the best seat in the house for the show. Oh, gee, that'd be swell, only... Only what? Don't you want to go? Sure. But I can't walk. My leg. Oh, don't you worry about that. We'll hitch up a couple of horses and come for you in a real circus wagon. Well, wouldn't you like that? Sure, but... But Pop wouldn't let me go. Never mind. I'll fix it with your father. I don't think you'll let me, but... Gee, it'd be swell. Now, you just leave it to me. We'll be back for you in a couple of hours with the finest horses you've ever seen. A day at the circus can't hurt the boy, Mr. Hart. It'll just excite him. But he's just a boy. It's not doing him any good to sit around the house all the time. Look here, Beatty. I got plenty of trouble with that crippled kid and all. Why don't you leave well enough be? I don't mean to interfere. The boy's a cripple. He'll always be a cripple. It ain't no good as getting interested in outside What do you expect him to be interested in? His condition? You're trying to tell me how to raise my kid, mister? Certainly not. Then suppose you skedaddle and leave me to my work. That boy needs something more than four broken down walls to look at. And I'm telling you, he's better off as is. Now get. Now, just a minute. I said get, mister. Why, you you must be Mr. Hart. More busybody. There's such a resemblance. You must be little Johnny's dad. You might call him that. Mr. Hart, I want to tell you that your boy's one of the brightest and handsomest I've ever seen. Why, this guy is... Johnny thinks his dad is just about the best in the whole world. Well, ma'am, I'll try to do for him. It ain't easy, though. 
Especially with his ma gone and all. Oh, I think you've done a grand job. I'm sure it's been difficult for you, home after a hard day's work and having to tend to the boy. I'll bet you'd welcome a day or two off from your duties. You deserve a bit of time to yourself. Now you mention it, ma'am. I ain't had an evening in town with the boys in more than a year. Oh, that's not right and proper. A man who works as hard as you needs a bit of relaxation. Now, don't you worry about a thing. Mr. Beatty and I will take your Johnny with us this afternoon. We'll keep him overnight and bring him back to your place in the morning. Well, uh, sure it ain't gonna discommode you none, ma'am? Oh, certainly not. Guess it'll be all right, then. Oh, come along, Clyde. We don't want to keep Mr. Hart from his work. Clyde, baby, won't you ever learn never to underestimate the power of a woman? Oh, Harriet. Shh, Clyde. Johnny hasn't awakened yet. Oh, oh, good. Little guy was all tired out, huh? Two whole circuses yesterday. It was just too much. Not according to Dr. Ireland. Then you did speak to the doctor about Johnny. Yep. Can anything be done about his leg? You come on in the other room. I'll tell you all about it. Clyde, is there any hope? A boy without legs to run around on. It isn't fair. It just isn't fair. Well, I asked Dr. Ireland this morning if there wasn't an operation or something that might help him. He told me that Johnny'd already had a dozen operations. Oh. Then it's hopeless? Yes and no. What does that mean? Well, theoretically, after what the doctors have done, the boy should have at least partial use of his legs. But he can't even move them. Dr. Ireland said he could if he wanted to. You mean Johnny doesn't want to walk? More than that, he doesn't want anything. Oh, yes, I think I understand. There's more home, shabby clothes, drunken father. No mother, not enough love. That's it, exactly. He needs an interest outside of himself. Something he wants with all his heart. Harriet... Do you think the boy would like to travel with us with the circus? No, I don't know. He enjoyed the shows yesterday well enough, but, well, he wasn't thrilled way down inside like almost any other boy would be. Well, I talked with Judge Brandt this morning. You remember him, don't you? Brandt? Oh, yes. He's that nice white-haired gentleman. Sits in the first row every time the circus comes to town. Right. Well, yesterday Johnny's father got very drunk. He broke into a store and stole whiskey and some money. He's been in prison before, some years ago, and this time the judge says he'll get at least five years. Oh, dear. What will become of Johnny? Put him in an institution, I guess. Oh, no, we can't let that happen, Clark. That's the way I feel. I've made an appointment for later today for us both to see Judge Brandt. Maybe we can convince his honor that the boy would be better off with us. Oh, I hope we can. I hope we can. Johnny, Judge Brandt is going to allow you to stay with us and travel with a circus. Yes, sir. Do you think you'd like that? Yes, sir. I guess I will, sir. You'll find that circus folks are very nice, Johnny. They'll all be your friends, and they'll try to help you in every way. That'll be nice, Mr. Beatty. Well, well we'd better start introducing you to some of the folks you'll be traveling with. Uh, climb up on my shoulder. <coughs> Here we go. There's a man over here I especially want you to meet. Oh, Pappy. Pappy James. Would you come here a minute? Hi, Mr. Beatty. See, that's quite a jockey you're toting there. <laughs> He's plenty heavy, too. Should be riding a real horse instead of my shoulders. I want you to meet Johnny Hart. Johnny, this is Pappy James, the best horse trainer in the world. Howdy, son. Pappy trains all those high school horses you saw on the show. 
High school horses? Yeah, that means they're trained to do tricks. Oh. Gee, Mr. James, it must be fun to work with horses. It's plenty fun, but it takes a heap of patience. Johnny's uh, not very interested in horses, Pappy, but, well, maybe he'd like to see that new coat. I see. Well, over here. There he is. Oh, boy. Look at the little fellow. Runty little knothead. Oh, no. He's wonderful. Say, uh, Pappy, uh, what you figuring to do with that coat? Him? Why, he's... He's, uh, not much good, is he? Not much... Oh. Oh, no. No, he sure ain't. I don't suppose you plan to keep him around here, do you? Heck, no. Man, he's he just making a darn nuisance of himself. Eat his head off. And don't do a lick of work. Reckon we'll just have to get rid of him somehow. Get rid of him? What do you mean? Well, we could always sell him to the glue works. No, no, you couldn't do that. Well, isn't there something you could make of him, Pappy? I doubt it. All the critter thinks about is eating and playing. I bet you could teach him tricks. You know, like those high school horses. What about it, Pappy? Mm-hmm. Possible. But uh, I wouldn't want to try it. Bet even I could do it. Think he could, Pappy? Well, uh, It'd take hours and hours of work every single day, including Sunday. I wouldn't mind. Well, I'd be glad to have that cold off my hands, but whoever takes him over has got to take mighty good care of him. I'd take good care of him, Mr. James, honest. Well, you see, son, that there horse is still a baby, and he's just been separated from his mammy. I'll know what to do for him, Mr. James. I'll know just what to do for a little horse that doesn't have a mother. And now, back to Clyde Beatty and the fabulous General Ike. At last, we had succeeded in finding an outside interest for Johnny Hart, the care and training of a young colt. It was heartwarming to see the change in the youngster when for the first time he had something to earnestly love and be responsible for. That's it, Johnny. Make him do it again. Here, General. Over here. Now stop. Stand. Stand. Good boy, General. <laughs> General. What a name for that sawed-off little horse. Well, Johnny has two heroes. You and General Eisenhower. Uh, you know, it wouldn't do to have two Clyde babies in the show. That's the only reason he didn't name the coat for you. <laughs> I don't know if I should be jealous of the general or not. Oh, there's plenty of room in that boy's heart for both of you. Old Pappy James seems to be doing all right in that department, too. Johnny idolizes him. And Pappy says the boy has a natural talent for handling animals. You know, someday that boy's going to be a star. Oh, he will, Clyde. I know he will. If only we could get those poor little legs to work properly. <laughs> As the weeks passed, the crippled boy and his horse became more and more a part of the circus family. The general grew fat and sleek. His coat had a shine like a new dime from constant grooming by his young master. And Johnny was growing stronger. Pappy James rigged a handrail around the training ring, and the youngster would climb from his chair and use it to pull himself along as he put his pet through his paces. 
One morning, we were all gathered around as Johnny was teaching his pet a new trick. Johnny's really excited about that new trick, Clyde. Think he can get that colt to mount such a small pedestal? <laughs> He's sure going to try. Up, General. Up, boy. <laughs> Look, Clyde. The General's mounting the pedestal. He's not very steady. He's losing his balance. The pedestal's tipping. The colt's gone down. <laughs> the colt hit his head. Knocked himself out. Look, Johnny's walking to his pet. Johnny's walking. After those first few steps, Johnny knew that if he really tried, he could get strength back in his battered legs. Sooner than any of us would have believed possible, the crippled boy was walking, first with a light cane and then without any aids. Then came the crowning accomplishment. When Pappy James said he was ready, we gave Johnny and the general a spot in the show. Young fella, that was a great performance. Why, the audience loved your act. Oh, gee, Mr. Bates and Mrs. Beatty, wasn't the general wonderful? Oh, he certainly was. And so is his master. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Well, my boy, how does it feel to be a full-fledged circus performer? I've never been so happy. Look here, young fella. Stop taking all them vows. You got a cold meat's cooling out and rubbing down. Right away, Mr. James. I'll fix him right away. Come on, general, let's get moving. General, General, you're the greatest horse in the whole world. Now, don't go getting so high and mighty just because you can do 50 tricks. You've got plenty to learn yet. I'm not going to stop till you can do at least 100 tricks. Hey, Johnny. Johnny. Huh? Who? Who is it? Over here, Johnny. In the shadows. Easy, General. It's all right. Come here, boy. I want to talk to you. I can't see you. Who are you? Don't you recognize your old man? Pop! Wh what are you doing here? You don't seem to be very glad to see me, son. I thought you were... You were... Yeah, in jail. Now, you wouldn't want your old Pop rotten in jail for years and years, would you? You mean you escaped? Let's just say I walked out when no one was looking. What do you want? Just wanted to see my boy, that's all. I've been happy here. Everybody's treated me fine. Why don't you go away before you spoil everything? Ah, there ain't no cause for you carrying on like this. I don't mean to cause you no trouble. Anyhow, I've got to stay on the move. Don't want to be picked up. Then go away. I'm, I'm gone, son, but, well, I'm broke. Could use a little cash. I haven't any money. Now, don't hand me that. You're working in the show, ain't you? You got that there trick horse, ain't you? Now, don't tell me you ain't got no dough. I've got a few dollars of my allowance back in my bunk. Get it. I'll wait here. i got to put my horse away first. Well, be quick about it. Don't you go tipping no one off about not being here. If you do, I'll fix you good. I won't tell. If only you'll go. Get that money. 
now. Sorry to bother you, Mr. Beatty. Something wrong, Pappy? Yeah, I'm afraid so. Sick horse? No, I was just checking the stock before turning in, and one of the horses is missing. That's Johnny's coat. Yes, ma'am. The general ain't in his stall. Well, could he have broken out? Well, he's a smart little horse, but he couldn't have unsnapped the chain I put on his stall door. Oh, this is terrible. Well, did you try to track him? Yeah. He was led away by a man. Stolen, huh? That's it. Me and the boys have scoured the vicinity. The horse is plumb gone. Johnny, I thought you were asleep. One horse is gone, Mr. James. One horse. Now, take it easy, son. It looks like the general has taken a notion to do a bit of wandering. My horse is gone. He took it. There, there, Johnny. It's going to be all right. He stole my horse. He stole the general. Who are you talking about, Johnny? My pop. Your father? He was here after the show. He wanted money. Clyde, I thought that man was in jail. He was, but he ran away. He made me give him money. He said he'd go away, but he took my horse. Now, don't worry. He can't have gotten far. I'll find him, and when I do it... Come on, Pappy, let's go. We'll leave the car there. I want to check that old deserted barn down the road. It looks bad, Mr. Beatty. Two whole days. That sidewinder could have that horse clear out of the state by now. If we don't find him, we're going to have a sick kid on our hands. I'd sure like to get my hands on that pool cap. That makes two of us. Hey, wait. Somebody's been around here. You see them footprints? Yeah. Might be just a tramp, though. Well, let's go see. Barn door's hooked on the inside. Somebody's in there. The wood's rotten. Let's break it down. Hey, there's somebody sprawled on the floor. And I think it's the end of our search. Hey, you! Mm. Wake up! <clears throat> drunk. Dead drunk. It's Johnny's father, all right. Come on, you. Come on. Wake up. Oh, what's the matter? What's going on? On your feet, mister. Oh, let me alone. I want to sleep. You better tell us what you did with that horse or you'll sleep longer than you want to. What horse? I don't know what you're talking about. You stole Johnny's colt. What did you do with him? What did you do with that colt? Oh, don't hit me. Don't hit me. Where's the colt? Sold. I sold him 15 bucks. Fifteen dollars? Uh, that little horse was worth 10,000. 10,000? I was swindled. Window. Who did you sell him to? Oh, I don't know. A guy. I don't remember. You'd better start remembering, mister. No. Uh, it's no use, Pappy. This drunken sot will never remember who he sold that colt to. Yeah, and the guy who bought it for such a ridiculous price probably turned right around and sold it for plenty. Let's turn this jailbird over to the police. Then we'll see what can be done about recovering the general. Gee, I sure hate to face that kid without that colt. I know what you mean. Well, let's get it over with. Such a good little horse, Mr. Beatty. Oh, there are other horses, Johnny. Better and smarter horses, you'll see. No, sir. There'll never be another like the general. Look, son. Sometimes life gets kind of rough. Things happen and there doesn't seem to be a reason for them. You've lost your colt. It's a rough deal. Everybody in this entire circus has been out looking for him. Maybe they'll find him, maybe they won't. Whatever happens, you've got to be a man about it. Yes, sir. Only, well, I hope he's being treated all right. I hope they don't whip him or hitch him to a plow or something. <laughs> don't worry about the general. If he's half as smart as you think, no one will put anything over on him. Oh, Clyde, there you are. 
Percy James has just come in. He wants to see you about something very important before it's time for his act to go on. Excuse me, Johnny. I'd better go see what Pappy wants. Uh, you don't want to just sit back here, do you, Johnny? Not while there's a show going on inside. I'm all right, ma'am. If you don't mind, I think I'll stay here. You're thinking about the general, aren't you? Yes, ma'am. This is the spot in the show where we're supposed to go on. You're a real trooper, Johnny. Maybe if you go on in, you can show the others that you are, too. All right, Mrs. Beatty, if you think I should. Say, isn't Pappy James motioning to you? Yeah. I wonder what he wants. Listen. Ladies and gentlemen, calling your attention to the center arena, presenting the world's youngest horse trainer, Master Johnny Hart. Oh, listen, Johnny, listen. And the greatest of all high school coaches. The one and only, the fabulous General Ike! They found my horse. They found the General. Yes, Johnny. They're bringing him in the arena. Now, you better get on in there, Trooper, before you miss your cue. The Bulldog Drummond stories follow Captain Hugh Bulldog Drummond, a wealthy former World War I officer of the fictional Loneshire Regiment after the war spends his newfound leisure time as a private detective. The radio program was a typical private detective show featuring murders, counterfeiters, blackmail, etc. And Drummond showed his tenacity, like a bulldog, to solve the crime. The show was based on a series of novels published from 1920 to 1954 by Cyril McNeil. Between the two world wars, Drummond became the most beloved fictional character since Sherlock Holmes. Captain Hugh Drummond was the hero of 17 novels and more than 20 films, stage plays, and BBC radio programs. Drummond is a proto-James Bond figure. Ian Fleming, creator of James Bond, acknowledged that Drummond was an influence on Bond. This radio program is based more on the movies of the 1930s than the original novels. The role of Captain Hugh Drummond was played by George Caloris, Santos Ortega, and Ned Weaver. Weaver played Drummond the longest. His partner Denny was played by Everett Sloan and Louis Van Roo. Frequent, frequent guests were Agnes Moorhead and Ray Collins. The series was produced and directed by Hyman Brown, the creator of Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Clyde Beatty joined the circus as a cage cleaner as a teen and became famous as a lion tamer and animal trainer. He also became a circus impresario who owned his own show that later merged with the Cole Brothers Circus to form the Clyde Beatty Cole Brothers Circus. Beatty became famous for his fighting act in which he entered the cage with wild animals with a whip and pistol strapped to his side. The act was designed to showcase his courage and mastery of the wild beasts, which included lions, tigers, cougars, and hyenas. At the height of his fame, he, his, the act featured as many as 40 lions and tigers. There is some indication that Beatty was the first lion tamer to use a chair in his act. Beatty's fame was such that he appeared in films from the 1930s to the 1950s, on television until the 1960s, and the Clyde Beatty radio show, syndicated in the 1940s, lasted until 1951. This weekly radio program featured adventures loosely based on his real-life exploits. However, the stories were no doubt more fictitious than real, and Beatty actually appeared in name only. In fact, Vict Perrin, not identified as such to the radio audience, impersonated him on the show. His fighting act made him the paradigm of a lion tamer for more than a generation. Beatty was, Beatty was once mauled by a lion named Nero. 
The tamer was in the hospital for 10 weeks as a result of the attack. However, he re remained undaunted and actually faced Nero down in a cage for the film The Big Cage. And it is best to just view these as good adventure stories. I'm sure that modern animal experts and environmentalists would be horrified at some of Beatty's tactics. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.